Hey, what's up, you guys? Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Words That Spoke to My Soul. And this is a special edition as I had the opportunity to speak with Jana Jones. She is an emerging author that I affectionately call Featuring the Unknown. So I hope you enjoy the conversation that we have. I'm so excited for her and what's to come with her newly released book, Vivid. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thank you for joining everyone. This is an uh, opportunity for us to do an author chat with Jana Jones, and we are here to discuss her book, Vivid, and much, much more. I'm super excited. How are you doing today? I'm great, and I'm so, so glad to be here with you today, Tracy. I'm so excited to talk about this book finally, so I'm, I'm in a good place. Now, we already know your name, so we'll hop right to it. Now, is this your name or do you uh, write under a pen name? So this is my actual legal name. Um, I'm writing under Jana for now, even though I have some projects in the works that I know will eventually lead me to having to use a pen name, but that's not until a little bit later on. So for now, I'm writing under my given name, which is Jana. Okay, that is awesome, awesome. Now, Let's get into the nitty gritty. When and why did you begin writing? Well, I come from a family of storytellers. Um, All of us can really sit you down and spin you a good story. As far as writing, my mom really was the only one who wrote. Um, So I I really got that from her. Um, Actually, I wrote my first book when I was eight. And I wrote it out of necessity. Oh. Um, I had gone to a Girl Scout camp. It was an overnight Girl Scout camp. It was my first time being away from home, being away from my family. Um, so that was a new territory for me. It was my first time really having experience in the outdoors. Um, never dealt, never dealt with that before. So I'm just like, this is major. And they took us to a camping site near like the Maryland, Pennsylvania border. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, this is, this is wild, it's so cool. And our final night of the camping um, experience, they threw an Alice in Wonderland themed ball. And the counselors wore these elaborate hats, kind of like Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like enthralled, just looking all around. But the thing was, I didn't have a camera. I didn't have a camera. I didn't have any way to like document like what I was experiencing, what I was seeing. And even at that age, I was like, I need to find a way to preserve this memory. I had too good of a time. I don't want it to just vanish. So on the drive back into the city after the camping trip was over, um, my mind is churning. I said, I figured it out. Um, by the time I got dropped off home, I decided then and there, I was gonna write a book. So I wrote a book and around that same time, I had started getting into comic books. I had a classmate 
who faithfully every day at school would bring her Archie's comics and she would read them during lunchtime. And I would watch her because I'm like, are these books that good? Because she read them faithfully. It didn't matter what was going on in the cafeteria. She would read her Archie's. So she actually put me on to reading comic books. Mm-hmm. So the first book I wrote at age eight was a comic book. Um, and I also did the illustrations. And oh. it was to preserve the memory of my Girl Scout trip. That is an awesome story. Like, of, I've asked this question, and I'm telling you, this is the best story I've heard about how you became a writer. That's awesome. Like, to start from, okay, I have to document this. There, you don't have a camera, and so to say, you know what? I kind of like comments, and you illustrated it as well. Like, okay, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Nice. Now, you told us that's when you wrote your first book, but when did you first consider yourself an actual writer? Honestly, when I finished Vivid. Um, okay. I, I knew that it was in me because I have so many stories in me. But once that final like manuscript draft was done, I'm like, okay, I'm a writer. I'm an author. This is me. This is a part of who I am now. This is a a part of my journey. So that was when I knew that I was actually a writer. Well, congratulations. And because it's so hard to push that work out and to finally look at it and know, okay, I'm not changing anything else. This is what it's going to be. And I'm ready to share my baby with the world. Mm -hmm. So I congratulate you on that. Uh, Because some of us, you know, we write and we forget to put it out or we just, you know, we don't take that extra step or we keep holding back because we're not sure how someone's going to receive it. So I applaud you for being brave enough to share with us. I thank you. It's a very vulnerable thing that some folks don't realize you're putting a piece of yourself out there for consumption. So it's, it's been an experience, but I'm glad to have it. Yes, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this journey. It's so exciting. Yes, yes, yes. Now, um, are you an independent author? Are you with a, a publishing company, a hybrid? What type of writer are you? So right now I'm independent. Um, so Viv is being released. So while I said, you know what, I'm doing this on my own. I'm, I'm putting the bill. I'm kind of paying for everything. So I went on ahead and created my own imprint. Um, so it's Basil Bay Press. So my plan is anything that I release independently going forward would be under Basil Bay. If by chance I do have a more traditional publishing deal, that's cool. It'd be under that imprint. Okay. But that's where I am right now. So it's independently published. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I like it. And um, what is, well, I kind of ruined this question, but what is the name of the book you're currently promoting? It's Vivid. now um how did you come up with that like what's going on with it so vivid has a few meanings actually um i named it vivid for one how how clear and present the characters came to me in my head and it's very you know to explain this without sounding weird is very difficult but they were very much like hovering around me. Like, okay. you know, it was like, we're here. So get it together, you know, figure it out. Yes. Um, so that contributed to me naming it Vivid. Also Vivid ties into the main character, Sherry. 
it ties into her visions for herself and for her children. She okay. had, you know, she had vivid goals and dreams for all of them. She wanted, you know, she had a mission that she wanted to fulfill. And vivid really speaks to her mindset as far as where she wanted her children's lives to go. Also, Sherry is speaking. So this this story is told in retrospect because Sherry's speaking to a reporter. Um, so Vivid also speaks to how clear she remembers everything that ends up happening um, in her time living in Baltimore with her children. So it's a few different meanings. I like that I, 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 because it's multi-layered and, you know, it's not just the title of the book. It relates to many aspects. And I love titles that can encompass that. It leads you to believe one thing. And then as you continue to read, you see how the story evolves and it's so much more than just the title. Yeah, so really I, I, I do love that. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, when you pick this name, like, how did you even go about that? Did it change as you continue to write or when, when and how did you pick this name? So Vivid stayed Vivid from the whole, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I had projects whose names have changed. Where it, it was one title, and I changed it to another title, and then it's another title. But Vivid's the only work so far that I've done where it's been Vivid since 2014. And Vivid has stayed Vivid all these years. Okay, nice. I, because I know that sometimes you can begin writing something and the initial plot changes and you know you may have came, come up with the title already and then it just doesn't fit anymore but to see that it consists was consistent in flow until it's you know full birth is um interesting to see because like I said you know oftentimes you know you just change directions when you right, begin right. a journey that's the thing too um because I actually did change directions a bit with Vivid and how I presented the story but I, I still felt compelled to keep the title name, but mm -hmm. how I presented the story did adjust. Once I read what I wrote, I said, no, I don't want to tell it this way. I want to okay. kind of flip it. So I, I shifted some things, but I felt like the, the title still stuck. Nice, very nice. Now, um, the experiences that are listed in you know, related in your book? Is it based off of your own personal experience or someone that you know? So in some ways, yes. Um, like for example, the character Champ, who is Sherry's oldest child, is mm -hmm. her, her oldest son. I channel a lot of my younger self in creating him. Um, I also channel if you know the character Stacy from the Roller Thunder here in my cry books from back in the day, mm -hmm. um, the older brother, I channel him and Champ. So I was present in some of the, the book. Um, family experiences were definitely um, incorporated in the book loosely, you know, not not you know actual line for line, but some experiences I had within my family, mm -hmm. family dynamics um, were in vivid. And outside of that, it was just an experience as far as being black and being in Baltimore during a particular time frame. So in this case, it's the early nineties. So I, I really 
channeled that and how the city looked at that time and right. what was going on. Um, so all of that came together to really form the foundation of the story. Okay, I can see that. And, you know, a lot of times we don't realize how much our lives can shape the things that we produce or create. And while it may not be, you know, a, you know the parallel image or, you know, the exact replica the essence of our lives do find their ways in the stories, even in the most unbelievable stories, you can find some little aspect of the, you know, author or creator's life within it. And um, I think that gives us a glimpse of who the person could be, even if we don't know specifically, you know, I like to dissect and say, Hmm, I wonder if any of those things they actually experienced, or if not, how did they empathize with the characters to create such a world? Because you create a whole new world in, you know. It's, it's a whole books. universe. You really create yeah. a universe from the ground up. You're building a completely, you know, self-sustaining world in your head that has to then be translated into on the page. Right. And that just shows how much work goes into creating a book. Yeah. And to um, the importance of recognizing that and acknowledging that and not taking away from an author's work because it still took some effort, regardless if you like the what you read or if you didn't, it still evokes some type of reaction from you. Definitely. And and that's important. Yeah. Okay, okay, Jen. Yeah, we are moving along, moving along. Now, um, what was the hardest part of writing Vivid? The editing stage. Um, because you really kind of fall in love with the words. It's very much, you're protective of it. You know, you like the way it flows and then someone comes and says, well, that sounds kind of cliche. Or you, you said that before and it, you know, and it's like, no, no, this is, it has, to stay, it has to stay how it is. And, you know, you see like the marks and the red lines and all the track changes. And it's just like, no, but, you know, that, that comes with the process um, right. of polishing your work to a shine. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still hard. You know, you, you see passages that are like, that's going to get them. That's going to really get them. And then your editor looks at it and goes, that doesn't really make any sense. And you have to reword it and still kind of keep the essence. And, you know, it's, it's an adjustment. It was hard, but I know it's necessary. So we right. just learn to adjust. And I hear that, um, that answer often in regards to the editing process, because you have to respect what the editor is trying to do, because that's what, or, you know, that's what you, you hired them for. But at the same time, you're like, but you're changing it. And I don't know. <laughs> so you have to find that balance of, okay, I, I can roll with that. Are Were there any instances where you just said no, when it come, you know, came to editing? Um, some portions. Not, I, I wasn't too unyielding like I could be um, <laughs> in other contexts, but Normally they said, okay, make this change. I changed it. There were some chapters where I was like, no, 
It has to flow this particular type of way. There's a reason it connects the parts later on in the book because I, I knew how the book was outlined in my head. So, you know, just reading it, it would be like, what, what does this have to do? And I'm like, it fits, it fits. <laughs> it's connected to later on in the book. Just keep it, you know, if I have to change the some grammatical stuff, I'll do that. But I'm not changing this because it connects. So there were some times where I kind of pushed back. But for the most part, you know, I, I knew what it was and I went with the flow. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So I'm making a mental note that if I come across Jana and there's something that she feels strongly about that I'm not going to shake. I'm not going to turn her. So I, that's duly noted. I got it. <laughs> now, um, we talked about the hardest part, of course, like I said, with the editing. But what was the easiest part of writing Vivid? You know, just putting the story out there, kind of getting, once you're in like a writer's groove and you're, mm -hmm. you're knocking the words out, I write to music. Um, and so there's a lot of um, musical references and song references all throughout the book. Um, but music propelled me forward and it helped me write this story. So once you're kind of in like this creative pocket and the words are coming, the story is unfolding, it's a very like euphoric feeling, you know, it, it may, you know, it may just see, okay, people write books and release books every year. I could do that because, you know, this is, this is easy. I, you know, I can do that once you're kind of in your, your rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so those were the easy parts when the creative, you know, juices were flowing and you were really in a good headspace. I, I could have wrote, for like days. Um, so it, it made the process easier. Nice. So you said that you have, you know, some musical references and, you know, you write some music. Give us one song that had you just in the groove and writing like this is coming out. <laughs> okay. And it's so wild because I didn't even make this reference in the book. Okay. Um, but for like two days, no joke. I had this Alexander O'Neill song on repeat. Um, what can I say to make you love me? I think it was. Okay. And I had it on repeat and I just couldn't, the words were like tumbling out. And I'm like, is this the song that's gonna, you know, really get things moving? Because I, right. was, I looked up and I had knocked out about like 8,000 words. Wow. I'm not even playing and I didn't, I didn't mention it in the, in the book, but that was like a song that really kind of pushed me forward. Um, okay. Outside of that, I played a lot of Stevie Wonder, um, mm -hmm. a lot of like Motown, because some of the characters were big Motown fan, fans in the book. So I did a lot of Motown, a lot okay. of Aretha, um, a lot of Anita. Okay. So, yeah, I, it was a little bit of a, um, a vibe going on in my place. All right. Well, you know, I definitely can vibe with Motown because I'm from Motown. So, you know. <laughs> now, um, after writing your book, you produced it and you, you pushed it out. And during that whole process, was there anything that you learned while writing Vivid? Um, yes, on a few different fronts. So in the story... It touches on Baltimore's history with um, lead exposure, which I knew about already just growing up in the city. Mm -hmm. But I had to really do a deep dive to really make sure that the book 
came out, you know, valid and correct. So I really learned just the, the, the tremendous, you know, developmental issues that happen when children are exposed to lead, which I didn't really know deeply like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I did a deep dive with that. Also, on a more like technical side, mm-hmm. I really had to learn how to handle editing software. So mm-hmm. just last night, I was working in um, Cascade and I was working in some software called Sigil. I think it's called Sigil because mm-hmm. there was an error, a very small one in my EPUB file. And mm-hmm. I had been working with my person who does my layout over the weekend. We were getting things kind of figured out and fixed. Very small, like, like glitches, not really even grammatical errors or anything like that. It's like little glitches that I noticed. And mm-hmm. I saw one last thing and I said, I'm not gonna email him. It's super late. <laughs> um, just last night I was learning how, I was teaching myself Mm-hmm. how to edit HTML files. Oh, okay. Um, so listen, you, you always have to have an open mind because you never know what tools you're going to have to use mm-hmm. um, with and just in making sure that the product that you're releasing is a quality one because people are paying their money and I want to make sure that I've done all of my due diligence to make sure right. that this is becomes correct. So yeah, right. you, you have to learn a lot of random stuff. Okay. And now for on the first end in regards to the lead, um, you know, here in Michigan, we recently had the huge crisis and it's still going on and they're trying to fix in Flint. So definitely can see, you know, learning so much. There's There's a Flint mention in the book. Flint is what kicks this book off. Okay. Okay. See, see, and then on. Okay. On the second end, in regards to, um, you know, finding errors after the fact, I think I recently saw it, it was either a TikTok or a meme, something it could have been real, who knows, but they're talking about, you know, you didn't sent it off two or three times to the editor and then you read in a book and then of course you catch another error. Oh, <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> When you think that you've been through it with a fine tooth comb two or three times, and then you still see that error, it's like, seriously, like, where were you? <laughs> where were you? It, is it nerve wracking? It's beyond nerve wracking. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, you have to really kind of learn to like let stuff go at a certain point because if yeah. not, you will be in knots. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you have any like inch, of perfectionism in you. (laughs) This is a very just wrenching place to be. But, you know, I'm learning as I'm going through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, for me, as a reader, I can usually I might find one or two mistakes. No, like, oh, look, I found it. And and it's like exciting. Like, oh, I actually found something. (laughs) But then... If the story's good, I can bypass some of those errors. Like sometimes you have to remember we're still imperfect. It's still we're we'll 
will aspire to have that perfect work where there's no errors. But sometimes, you know, something skips through and to be kind. Now, if the story's like horrible, <laughs> it's like, it, it's harder to take those errors. But when it's a good read, it's like, oh, that's okay. It's okay. It happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so if I understand how it could be like, oh my goodness. And, you know, how many times can you go over it? At some point, you're going to be like, okay, I... I did my best and you know it's just there that's all you can really do yeah know? absolutely hope that the story saves you but, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the hope right <laughs> cool now yes. we talked about what you learned from it is there a message that you would like for your readers to gain yeah there's a few different themes in vivid um but i think the main ones are the importance of community and uh, how vital it is, how important it, it, it is to stay connected. Yes. That really is the lifeline for a lot of us, especially if, you know, from a marginalized community. Yes. That the mutual aid, just being able to lean on your network. I don't mean that, what do you do type network? I mean, you know, your neighbors, your, your aunties, your sisters, your, the, your uncle down the street, just, you know, your extended family, your, your um, chosen family. That mm -hmm. sustains us and it keeps us alive and Vivid really illustrates how important that is. Um, you know, when occurrences happen in the book and Sherry is like at her wit's end she leans on her, her network. She leans on her people, on her community, her chosen family that she's found in Baltimore and they go out and they make things move. Mm -hmm. um, so community is very, very vital. Also, I wanted to, sh to really illustrate how there's a champion in all of us. And I don't say that to be like cheesy, but every day that you wake up and you decide, okay, I'm going to put my best effort out today. You are a champion, you know, in families, when people are breaking dysfunctional cycles, people might not know, they might not ever know the cycle you broke, but you know, and for that, you are a champion. And I wanted to really convey that there's power in all of us. And at, at no point is it a thing where you can't do it. You might need support and help and backup. That's, that's everyone. But you are never without your own, you know, your own inner toughness, your own inner fortitude. And I really wanted Vivid to show that. And, you know, all of those are important lessons to remember. Mm -hmm. And they seem to focus around you as a person and the things that you need to connect with. Yeah. Um, when I came into the year 2021, I said this was going to be a year of connection for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I take the opportunity as much as possible to connect with other people and to see how I can make an impact in their lives. And regardless if I'll ever know what that impact was or is, I know that I did put forth the effort to make an impact. And that's what's most important. I think we, a lot of times we focus on other people's response Yes. when we don't need to, we need to focus on what it does for us individually. And when you operate from a place of love, mm -hmm. it will, it will always work out. 
You may not see how it's going to work out, but it always will when you operate from that place of love. And I love to read books like that. Yes. Awesome. I love that. Thank you, Jen. I'm like, I'm so excited. Like, because, you know, I'm like a paperback type person. I need the paperback. Like, I'm, I'm just, we'll get to you. that. I got you. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> now, um, if you have to do it all over again, mm-hmm. is there anything that you would change about Vivid? No. And I, I saw that question. I thought about it. And I can say no. I'm very thankful that this is my first book. I'm glad that this is my calling card. Um, if I never write anything again, which won't be the case because I have a lot of stuff brewing, but I'm glad that I put this story out into the universe because it's a story that I feel needs to be told. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. It, it was a process mm-hmm. um, just with schedules and just my own headspace and taking the time mm-hmm. to really sit and quiet myself down and right. release it. Um, it, was, it was a journey, but mm-hmm. I'm very, very grateful that I, I did that. So I, I must say, I wouldn't change anything at this point. Awesome. And, and I like that because it, you... The journey is part of it, you know, everything, the good, the bad, the all of that is how it came to be. And you need all of that for it to exist. And um, you also mentioned about the community aspect and the importance of that. And I wanted to circle back because did the, the pandemic assist in any part of writing that section of the book as far as the need for the you you said chosen community mm-hmm. as far as it, you know did the pandemic assist because a lot you know a lot of people had to mm-hmm. and you know utilize their chosen community during this time it definitely uh, was a factor mm-hmm. um, that I really didn't realize fully until I was done writing but just the similarities that are noted in the book and then what we see in real time with the pandemic with families and just neighbors had to lean on each other because, you know, the people in charge aren't really doing too much or moving at their own pace, which is a factor in the book. Um, And I thought about just the similarities um, with that. I'm like, what's what's the odds of the parallels like that? Right. Um, So the pandemic really showed for me um, how on track I was, you know, like, you know, you're, you're on track with what you're talking about here. And this, what we're seeing here just confirms that you're, you're right. So. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is a reminder to build that community before you need it. So that once it, you know, once it gets here, it's not like you're not scrambling. You need to establish what or who is going to be a part of your chosen community. It's very essential. And I I really see that the older I get, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to have a team. Mm -hmm. You have someone you can lean on. You cannot walk this journey by yourself. Um, Exactly. It's not possible. Right. And, you know, um, Jen, the other thing that you have to consider is you may know how to do it. And you could handle it on your own, but that doesn't mean that you have to or that you should. Yes. 
<laughs> and you are convicting me right now because I have to really remind myself of that when I encounter things. It's like, yes, you don't have to shoulder all of this by yourself. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, this is a lesson that I'm teaching to myself every yes. day. I think it's a lesson that we all can benefit from because I myself, <laughs> you know, have the, well, I can, I can just do it. I'll, I'll just do it. And then it came to the point where, okay, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to have all these irons in a fire and then things began to lack. So it's like, okay, those things, they'll be okay. But then when my body started to lack, it's like, oh, wait maybe I need to change something. So um, don't feel bad. I, I believe more people than you realize need to understand that just because you know how to do it doesn't mean that you have to. And, you know, take that opportunity to enlist the assistant. Because mm -hmm. you, you'll be a better you, I promise. You definitely will. <laughs> yes. Now, um, how many books have you written? Not published, but just written. Counting the comic book and counting Vivid, uh, it's two at this point. I have a lot in progress, but fully okay. done, actualized, it's just the two. So Vivid really is the, the main book. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, circling back to the comic book, yeah. have you ever considered producing that like as a real illustrative you know, work of art? Um, What's what's the term for them now? The the visual novels, I think they're called them. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's never out of the realm of possibility. Uh -huh. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm as confident with my illustrating abilities as I was when mm -hmm. I was younger. I know right. I have to kind of outsource that. Okay. But if a story comes up and I'm like, you know, people need to kind of actually see this in pictures. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm open. I'm open for sure. Cool, cool, cool. Now, I know we can't really make a comparison, but I'm still going to ask anyway. Between those two, which would be your favorite? Vivid, uh, I think, for its prominence in my life, but I also I always have a soft spot for the for the Girl Scout comic book. Right, um, right. Vivid is my baby for now, and even as I'm writing other works, mm -hmm. you know, Vivid's kind of like that older sibling, if you can imagine, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. is this good? Can I compare it to Vivid? You know, and I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get even go down that lane. Right. Um, but I feel like I have made, you know, I've kind of kicked the door in with my debut piece. And mm -hmm. now it's going to be a matter of the other works kind of meeting that standard and exceeding it because right. like, can you, well, you make me feel the way I felt after I finished writing the manuscript of Vivid. Because I was very sad when I finished writing. Very wistful. And I was surprised at the emotions that I was feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I knew that that's because I had felt it like on like a spiritual level. And the other pieces, I need to kind of work to get myself there. I'm writing them. I know it will happen. Um, mm -hmm. It's just kind of me gradually, you know, melding them to me and just putting myself in them like I did with Vivid. Right. And, you know, Janet, I'm looking at it and a lot of people, a lot of authors, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I've improved so much since then. And, you know, really don't give that first book baby 
the respect and due credit, but it's like, but that's where you started. Like that was what propelled you to the greatness that you are now. So I'm happy that, you know, that that'll always be that the standard for you to say, okay, this is what it, what I felt. And I want to keep that going and go past that. So that's awesome. I love it because a lot of people, you know, they're like, well, you know, I've improved so much and, you know, but it matters. You know, it's, it's all a journey, really. It's all a, a process. You're ever evolving yes. your writing style. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how I'm writing like five years from now. Right. Because so many things happen in five years. Like- so many <laughs> So many. Oh my God. Man, you, I, I look back, you know, I'm, I'm 38 now and look back to the person I was at 30. That person doesn't even exist anymore. You know what I mean? And then you go back further and further and further. And it's something, uh, it reminds me that my mother said that, you know, once you start to get to that 35 or that 40 mark, that's when you really start to live because you have some life experience and, you finally kind of figure out what you're doing. And, um, you know, it, this is the fun part. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm turning 40 this year in October. So this is my milestone year. And I yes. definitely agree with everything that you just said. You know, mm-hmm. you're kind of entering a stage in your life where you're still learning new things, but it's mm-hmm. like, I, I have some stuff in my backpack now. You know, right. I, I have some experiences and yes. I'm going to put them out. And, and, and put them out to the world. So that's, yes, yeah, I, I agree. Well, yes, yes. Well, welcome, welcome. You're coming to that 40 Club and, and it's exciting. You know, the closer I get to, I'm like, I can't believe I'm about to be part of that club. Like, it's so awesome. <laughs> you know, you didn't think you would ever say that, but once you, you know, start to get there and your life experiences have shaped you to grow, Mm-hmm. And because I know for some, it may not. And that's okay because, you know, everyone's, everyone's journey is different. But for, for my journey, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> it's very exciting. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you're excited too. Now, um, you, you kind of touched on it. You say you have some other things in the works. So you do plan on releasing future works? Yes. So I have a novella that I'm... Aiming, and since I'm talking on camera, I'm being held to it. Yes. Aiming to get that out by the end of the year. Okay. Um, I have two pieces that I'm looking at for next year. One is a Mm -hmm. young adult piece that I actually started writing when I was writing Vivid. So at one point, Vivid and the young adult piece at the same time. Um, But Mm -hmm. I just went ahead and kind of took Vivid the rest of the way. Um, Mm -hmm. So that I'm looking, and that's going to be a series. So it's going to be two books at this point with that. Um, So I'm looking at having the first one out next year. And then I have another adult fiction um, book that's in the works too, but that's kind of lower on the totem pole. I I had just started that one. Now with these works, do you, you know, focus solely on one or is it whoever talks to you? How do you, you know, plan out saying, okay, I'm shooting for the end of the year for the novella or, you know, the YA for next year. How do you plan that out? Well, I kind of look at my schedule because I still have a full-time nine-to-five job. Okay. And I, I see, okay, what's feasible now for me that I can do 
while still working. Mm -hmm. um, and also it is kind of what talks to you. The, the young adult piece, I thought would be kind of the next one in the hopper to be mm -hmm. out, but it's still kind of simmering. And mm -hmm. at this point, I'm kind of reevaluating how it's going to look, right? From mm -hmm. what perspective I'm going to tell the story. Okay. Um, I'm just kind of, it's kind of on pause right now. I want to get it out because mm -hmm. it's a story that's in me, just like Vivid, that's like hovering and, you know, Jana, get out, get me out. Um, right. But I want to make some changes with that one. Mm -hmm. So it's really a mood thing. But one thing I've, I've been hearing is that you really can't rest on your laurels too long with the book mm -hmm. because once you get readers and they're going to want you to have an established schedule, you know, you can't be just every three to five or 10 years. It's going to be like, you're going to have to start all over again, generating a, a reader base. So yes. I'm very mindful of that. You know, I can't take the six, the six year gap that I took with Vivid. I, I, I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of figuring out what works with my current schedule. Okay. So basically you're being held accountable. Like, okay, you put out this wonderful piece of work. Mm -hmm. So where's my next? Exactly. <laughs> you can't chill anymore, Jones. You can't chill. Right. Get to work. Yeah. So get to, get to work. Like I'm waiting. I'm gonna hold you to it. <laughs> now, um, I know you're you're still in the the newer age or newer stage of authorship. Mm -hmm. What separates you, Jenna Jones, as an author from other authors? Really, um, it's generally I don't. I'm not about comparing myself. I'm not about the comparison life. But what I would say is, every author, including myself, we bring our own unique experiences. So we all could be telling the same story um, about the same characters, but it's all going to have its own unique spin because we all have our own unique walks and our own unique experiences. So, you know, there could be a thousand authors, but there's only one of me. So I, I bring a unique perspective in what I write because it's my own. So that's what I would say with that. And I love those types of answers because we are unique and life is about perspective and your perspective will vary from mine. Yeah. And, and that's important because that's how you shape the person that you are by examining other perspectives outside of your own. And that's how the world gets better because if you constantly only look at it from your own perspective, how can you ever empathize? How can you, you know, how can you ever understand why this bothers a specific group of people? If you only look at it from your perspective, mm -hmm. there, there will never be growth. So I appreciate authors who realize that because you are you that's what separates you if for no other reason that alone is enough yeah cool thank you I, I'm, I'm happy you know that already <laughs> now um I have varying answers on this one what is your experience with the writing community listen okay so 
Well, much of 2020, I was doing this writing thing alone. I had my good sister friend, Isis, who checked in on me and was mm-hmm. my early line editor. And I appreciate, and she, you know, did the role of like 10 people in my life, as far as mm-hmm. making sure I was motivated, checking my, my writing progress. Um, so I'm thankful for her. She's a playwright and the creative in her own right, you know, brilliant, um, very, very busy schedule. So I was always right. appreciative that she had time for me. Um, so that was 2020. But one thing I said going into 2021 was I wanted to connect with more of the writing community. And that mm-hmm. meant writers, that meant reviewers, beta readers, um, podcasts and creatives who, who interview authors. I wanted to connect with everyone because I needed that community that we just yeah. talked about. So my good friend Gina um, connected me to Clubhouse mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of the year. And from that point, it was off to the races. Right, right. I'm just, you know, friending people and following people in clubhouse rooms and talking to, you know, other authors and they're giving me tips and I'm just connecting. And it's like, this is what I needed. And this came at the perfect time. And it just goes to show when you put your intention out there, Mm -hmm. the universe always responds. And it's just a matter of, being direct in what you want. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to connect with the writing community and I've done that. And I've been mm-hmm. so grateful because I've been getting encouragement. Mm-hmm. I've been getting pointers. I've been getting, you know, like warnings. Hey, hey sis, you know, watch, watch this. You know, mm-hmm. gotta be careful, you know, everything. Right. And I needed that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's real, it's been a, a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. And as the year continues, I want to expand and continue to connect with more people. And, and I know that that will only sharpen my craft as I do right. that. So I'm, I'm very happy with the progress that I've made so far. And, and, and I'm happy that you are seeing that progress because, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to find that right group of other authors that can help and you know, not necessarily, I, I know you may not be buddy, buddy or anything like that, but it is surrounding yourself with like-minded people so that you can get the other resources that you may not know about. And that's, that's important. It's so important because there are so many things that I would have never known. And I'm the queen of Google and okay. I, I love to kind of learn on my own, but at the same time, you know, when someone who's lived it, who's walked it, who yes. can say, no, you know, watch out for that. And mm-hmm. that's, that's even more beneficial. So I've been very fortunate in that respect. Absolutely. And it also um, shows us how those before us, they have the responsibility to make the, the, the pathway for those coming behind us easier. Yes. That's part of your journey to share that knowledge. Now there's a difference between, you know, being used and abused for what you know or what you what what your experience is, but mm-hmm. it again, if you are operating out of a place of love in everything that you do, mm-hmm. be it the person asking for the assistance or the person that's given the assistance or guidance, that is all part of life in 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 sharing that and growing. So I'm happy again that you've had the opportunity 
to network with those and that they have been forthcoming with information because some of that like, well, you know, I did this, but you know what I mean? And, and I understand, but we got, we have to find that balance of, you know, helping those and pulling that next person forward to greatness so that, you know, we all, we all can, it's, it's, it's enough for everyone, you know? And thus now the obligation is on me to bring someone else. So that's, it's just a change. So yeah, yes. it's very, very important. To very important. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, do you have any advice for future aspiring writers? I would say, first of all, don't put a timeline on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, meaning, well, you know, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm whatever, I have three kids, you know, the time has passed. Never. You know, you have to, I forgot what author said it, but sometimes you have to write in the margins, meaning, you know, you're a full-time mom and you might just have three hours to write, that's fine. Or, you know, you're you're a caregiver and you're, you're watching, a, you know, an elderly relative or someone sick you know, right in the margins, but mm -hmm. there's a story in you that needs to come through you and only you. And, and that's important to remember. You know, no one's gonna tell you a story mm -hmm. the way you can. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we feel like milestones or goal posts have passed us and mm -hmm. they haven't. It's just a matter of, okay, I'm going to keep staying the course. And that's really the only thing to remember. Stay the course. You bring value. The story that you have is yours to tell and no one else's. So keep that in mind. Definitely. Definitely. And um, it's just that, you know, I think that social media plays a huge factor in the whole milestones and the again perception you know perception versus reality and um often we only present those high moments and everyone's like oh my goodness i'm not doing that yet or i haven't accomplished this yet or i'm this age but if we operate from purpose instead of oh i don't know what my passion is i don't know what you know what we're supposed to do i was listening to someone who said Stop worrying about that part, but begin doing things on purpose. Yeah. And 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 be intentional. And that makes the difference. You may not know why you're doing what you're doing right now, but for right now, this is what you're doing, and you're gonna do it at your your highest ability. Mm -hmm. And it it'll it'll you'll get your answer because you're being intentional about being the your best version of yourself that you can be on a daily basis. And I always say, run your own race. Yeah. And I believe in that. Yeah. Um, you can't measure yourself with someone else's metrics. Mm -hmm. um, so just run your own race, be intentional, be the best you that you can be. Right. And that's enough. So. And, and, and with even with myself in the book club and everything, and I'm like, well, you know, other book clubs are doing this and they have this many followers and all that other kind of stuff, but look at what you have. And when I looked at what I have, I have my 416 followers on Instagram and I did it all organically that this, I didn't, I didn't buy 
any followers, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm being my true self and, and everything. And that is enough because they look at what I'm doing and that is enough. And once we stop doing all that extra comparing and just enjoying what you're doing, what, what I'm doing, yeah, that has made a world of difference in the connections that I'm making. And, and, and that is important to, to be authentic. And what's for you will definitely find you. It's true. It's yes. so, so true. I definitely agree. Yes. Now, we've talked about Vivid. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited to get a, my own paperback copy. I cannot wait to get the paperback copy. But, <laughs> it's coming. So, so before, we, before we do any of the other things to tell us where to get it and all that, do you have a favorite book? So I'm going to cheat if you don't mind. Oh. Um, I'm going to give you two because I can't really give you one. So I'm going to give you one for nonfiction and one for fiction. Okay. So for fiction, um, my favorite, and even that was hard because I have so many. And it was just mm -hmm. like, I don't really know. Should I go with nostalgia or just what I feel? But so it's Gathering of Waters by Bernice McFadden, who okay. is my favorite author. Okay. Um, so that's my favorite for fiction. Mm -hmm. For nonfiction, I'm sorry, yeah, for nonfiction, it's The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. Look, The Warmth of Other Suns, that was probably the biggest book when I, like before I've read other books, that was probably the biggest, longest book I've ever read. But yeah. it was so amazing. It was like, oh my goodness, like just the way she, you, I'm telling, like, and, and I know we jumped back and forth between stories, but it was just so captivating. And I learned so much reading that book. One of the greatest amazing. books I ever wrote, I, I ever written, no, I'm speaking in existence. I ever, <laughs> I ever written, I ever read. <laughs> um, one of the greatest books I ever read. And yeah, the same with me. It was like the, the biggest book I ever read because I saw how big it was. And I was like, is this like a textbook? Because, you know, by that point, I was all schooled out. I said, I don't want to read any texty. I don't want to read any texty type stuff. Right. I've had enough. <laughs> um, but once I got into the stories, I was just captivated. You know, yeah. it was just genius. And mm -hmm. it was a story that needed to be told because the Great Migration, you know, impacted so many of us. Yeah. Um, and it hadn't really been laid out like that the way she did. And it was just genius. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Amazing, amazing. That's, that's a great pick. I like that. So I, I got super excited when you said that one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I kind of kind of jumped ahead, but after reading that story, because um, how I write my reviews, I don't like I don't do it was it was a good story, it was a bad story, and I definitely don't tell what the book is about because that just ruins it for everyone. But I specifically say what spoke to my soul. So in both of those books, what spoke to your soul? So for Gathering of Waters, um, it was a few things. I love the way that she wrote Money Mississippi as its own standalone character because it narrates the book. And I really try to 
tapped into that when I wrote Vivid, um, making Baltimore and the fictional town of Spruce Junction. I wanted them to be um, viable ca characters, just like any other human characters. So for just writing purposes, I like that. But what spoke to my soul uh, for that particular book was the fact that who you love and who you connect with transcends this earthly plane, meaning for loved ones who have gone on, who are no longer with us physically, they're never gone. So it's important to always keep connections open with those who you love and who you connected with here um, because they're still with us. You know, they're still with us and it's important to remember that. It keeps you grounded to know that there is, that you're surrounded by love and support mm -hmm. and not just in the physical presence, folks who can give you hugs and who can call you, but mm -hmm. in the spiritual side too, I appreciated that. And it was very comforting to read. Um, I reread it not too long ago. I had a, a loss in the family and it really kept me, kept me grounded to know that what we're seeing here is just a small fraction of the support that you're surrounded by. So mm -hmm. I appreciated that in the book. And Bernice McFadden is just like, I love all things Bernice McFadden. So her writing style is just everything and you can't really go wrong with any of her pieces. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, just elaborate again on the warmth of her sons. So I have this obsession with the great migration. Mm -hmm. And even just on a personal um, note within my own family, I felt like I knew this, but in writing Vivid, it made me realize that like my generation, meaning myself, my siblings, my cousins, we're the first full generation where everybody was born in Baltimore. The generation before, it was split between Baltimore and Richmond, Virginia. And actually my mom was the last child born in Richmond. And then my grandparents moved up when she was an infant. And then before then it was Virginia and then it was North Carolina and then South Carolina. So with each kind of generation, my family moved further north. Um, with the warmth of other sons, it really just shows you the sacrifices that were made by our ancestors, by our family mm -hmm. um, and the faith that they had in them, even though they were moving to places that they didn't really know that well, but that didn't matter because mm -hmm. what they did know is that they wanted to put themselves and their future generations in stronger positions to succeed. And that's what motivated them. Um, and essentially the migration was just a stepping out on faith on a massive scale, you know? And I think about that and I really tap into that when you're kind of having low days. I, I tap into that because I know that someone saw a brighter future for me even before I was on the scene. And I appreciate that. And the warmth of other sons really speaks to that. So I will always love that novel or that, that the book. Yes, yes, definitely. Now, um, I know it's hard, especially when you're you're writing and working because you said you're full time. Yes. Uh, what are you currently reading? 
Well, I just got out of a Randall Keenan rabbit hole um, that I was in over the holidays. And I'm reading an anthology now called um, Pretty Broken, which is a collective of short stories about just life and the ups and downs of life um, by a collective known as the Diamond Writers. And it's available on Amazon. Um, so I'm, I'm reading that now. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of working on my, my summer reading list mm -hmm. um, in addition to like my writing projects, but that's what I'm currently reading. Okay, cool. Now, do you have anything specific that you want to tell your current mm -hmm. and your future readers? Well, I don't know how many current readers I have. If I have some right now, I appreciate you. <laughs> um, but for future readers, you know, check me out. You mm -hmm. are sure to receive a story that's going to stick with you because that's how I write. And just, you know, follow me on the ride. I'm happy to have you. Well, I am confident you will definitely have uh, current readers coming soon. Um, and uh, I'm excited to watch your journey and excited to see what else you have to offer the world. But I would like to thank you for joining us to do today, Janet Jones. It's been wonderful. Last but not least, the very last question, how can we stay up to date with you? Yes. Well, my website is janajjones.com. And that has my social media links. Um, I'm on Twitter at written by Jana and also Instagram as the same tag written by Jana. Um, check me out there. I, I try to be good with my social media um, to be a, a, a faithful poster as I'm working to create an audience, but definitely go to my website and check me out. Well, I'm certain we will do that for you. I had an opportunity to read some of the excerpts that you sent over. So I'm excited to read the entire story and see what, um, what we got going on in Vivid. Yeah. But as always, happy reading, and I will catch you all next time. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye <laughs> now.